Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, this week it kicks off the first phase of the Whistler Film Festival's Producers Lab. It's going to see a cohort of Canadian producers kind of fine-tune their skills when it comes to developing scripted features. You know, the goal here is for producers to be able to deliver projects that will garner a lot of that sort of investor interest to get cameras rolling in the coming weeks or months, I should say. Now, one of this year's participants is producer Kate Green. Her career stretches back, you know, almost about two decades now here in the uh, film and TV industry. And most recently, mm-hmm. her web series, uh, Narco Leap, a sci-fi series uh, that she created and directed. It can be seen on Telus Optic, the CBC Gem app, and uh, other services as well. So she's going to join the show today to dive right into all of this. And Kate, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today on BIV Today. Hi, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I, I definitely want to get into this whole producer's lab that's going on. Uh, I, I believe today is the first day. You, got, you just arrived in Whistler. Uh, I, I, you know, I would not be Canadian if I did not ask you this. How's the weather going in Whistler right now? <laughs> yeah, I just got off the shuttle bus, literally just now. Um, the weather is, uh, well, it's, it's like Vancouver, really, right now. It's very cold and cloudy and sunny and raining. Changes every five minutes. <laughs> Sounds like spring to me, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But I, I, look, I, I want to dive into the producer's lab, but first, maybe, I, I don't know, can you give me kind of a, a bit of the Cliff's Notes version on, on how you ended up where you are right now in terms of your uh, career? How did you kind of get into this industry? Uh, you end up, you know, creating, uh, you know, TV shows. You've been a producer for a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, tell us about the, the path that you took to uh, get to this point. Yeah, very short Coles Notes version. Um, after I left high school, I went to university and I took technical theater because I, I knew I wanted to do something creative and I didn't know if it was lighting design or stage management. Uh, but while I was there, I kind of got bitten by the acting bug and I pursued acting for a number of years and I did okay, but realized that I would probably never own my own home and <laughs> even sure. even way back then. And uh, yeah, I, I decided that I wanted to be making the phone calls rather than be waiting for them. Um, the irony is, is that even as a producer now, I'm still waiting for the phone calls, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but here we are. I took my first job in television, uh, early 2000s. It was right at the height of when reality TV was really kind of coming into the fold. And I took a job as a first AD, which first assistant director, was really a glorified PA job, um, or producer's assistant, um, production assistant. And uh, it was a show called Crash Test Mommy by a company called Paperni Films that were in Vancouver for many, many years. And uh, that show really, you know, being in the trenches in reality TV, uh, you really learn a lot about story and you learn about how to manage people and um, locations <laughs> and your schedule and uh, get the job done. And so it was really a great training ground for being the producer that I am today, even though now I'm working more in the scripted uh, world. Well, that's so interesting. You know, Perperni is kind of a, a good jumping off point. I, I think it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those places, just one of those Star Wars production houses in Vancouver mm-hmm. for such a long time before it was acquired, I think, in the 2010s, if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, around that 2011, 12, maybe, um, or just after that. I also worked at uh, Force 4 Entertainment, which was another company in town. Um, they were both acquired by E1 around the same time. And that was a, a huge shift in the factual entertainment um, 
industry in Vancouver. But we've we've bounced back definitely, and now um, there's other companies that have kind of simmered up to the to the top and and are, are employing a lot of people in Vancouver, which is fantastic. Well, uh, speaking of employing lots of people in Vancouver, that's the goal of this uh, mm. project. Uh, you want to get off the ground here and then that you'll be developing at the producer's lab. And, and you, you know, tell me a little bit about this project, which uh, you co-wrote and you will be directing. It's called Maybe This Christmas. What can you tell us about this film without kind of giving it all away, though? Yeah, it, well, it's a really fun uh, film. It's really a mother and daughter story. And it it's not the typical a Christmas film. It would never be on Hallmark Channel or W Network. Sure. Uh, it's a female-driven, uh, mature, I like to call it a bit saucy comedy. Uh, I'm co-producing it with Jolie Collins, and it was uh, co-written with Christopher Campbell. And I really felt like this story is a mother and daughter story um, would be a lot of fun to see. And it started, Jenny Monroe is the mother character, and she arrives back at Christmas time. She's abandoned her daughter for the last uh, 20 years because she pursued a career in music and she became a celebrity and she comes back home and um, wants to reconnect with her daughter and has a proposition for her. And so uh, the film kind of takes away, you know, starts off from that launching point and we try to see, you know, this mother and daughter fumble through Christmas and fumble through the holiday season while trying to reconnect and actually really try to heal some very deep wounds <laughs> as well. Is it uh, autobiographical in any way or is there any sort of inspiration uh, from uh, your own life? <laughs> Not in the in the sense that my mother was a celebrity rock star, but sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh I think anyone who has a mother or is a mother uh, and has a daughter or is a daughter um, can probably relate to some of the things that happen in this relationship. I love my mom very dearly and uh, we have a great relationship, but oh Lord, I'm sure we drive each other crazy sometimes. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's more than a, a, a few folks that can relate to that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so I'm curious. Okay. Look, you've got the, uh, the directing credentials. You, you created your own television series before uh, you've co-written this project here, maybe this Christmas. Um, now you're going to the producer's lab and it's mm-hmm. going to involve, you know, about uh, seven months, uh, you know, over the next uh, uh, remainder of 2022 Tell me a little bit, uh, maybe this first week, what will you folks be doing over there? You're joined by, I think, about a half dozen other producers. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, what do you expect to happen? Yeah, well, you know, I think the one of the, the huge benefits of doing programs like this is that you do build relationships with your fellow cohorts. And, you know, I've been reading their scripts, and they're just such a wonderful uh, array of different um, themes and topics and characters and situations that, you know, I, I can't wait to see all of these amazing Canadian films uh, come to life. But yeah, this week, I mean, for my film in particular, um, we've done a lot of the creative development already. So we, in terms of story and having a shooting script, we're, we're ready to go. Um, you know, fine tuning, of course, but we're ready. This week for us uh, and for my project, you know, I'm really looking to uh, learn more, a little bit more about distribution, a little bit more about the financing and, um, you know, what what's going to attract uh, investors and, and all of that. So there's that financial business side of it that we're really going to be focusing on, which I'm super ready to nerd out on. 
<laughs> well, I'm curious because I think one of the parameters that the uh, producers lab set out is that you they, they want to have projects that can be marketable to other mm. you know uh, you know countries. It, it doesn't mean you can't have like a strictly Canadian story, but uh, you know, do you mm. kind of feel the sense that there is kind of this universality to a lot of the projects that are being developed here at the producers lab? Yeah, absolutely. I think all the ones like all the scripts that I've read so far definitely have a global appeal. Um, you know, female, some of them, you know, female driven or some of them uh, BIPOC creators. Uh, and the stories just translate uh, immensely to a global market. And I think that that's something that Canadian filmmakers are really uh, kind of focusing in on now is that, you know, the world is bigger than Canada, obviously. <laughs> and um, we're, we're creating content right now that is so exciting. And um, especially, you know, when we look at some of the you know, like I said, some of our BIPOC creators or Indigenous writers, they're just, they're, the content that's coming out right now is just, I, I'm at loss for words. It's just so good. It's so good. Well, it, from your experience just in the industry, is it because there's different sorts of platforms that just weren't available, you know, you know 20, 30 mm -hmm. years ago? Is it access mm -hmm. to just equipment? Like I'm just thinking about what digital cameras can do versus having to go through old fashioned film. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, or maybe it's just kind of a combination of a variety of things. Yeah, I think it is a combination of all of that. I mean, for me personally, I can say that, you know, I was able to do two seasons of a sci-fi series and I was able to do that because I was able to tap into some of the fantastic programs and funding sources that we have in Canada. And I didn't have um, some of the roadblocks that maybe a traditional broadcaster or kind of getting into those gatekeepers might present. Like I was able mm -hmm. to prove my content and test my content. I was able to build an audience and connect directly to my audience because of the platforms that were available to do that. So you'll be finishing up this uh, first phase. And then mm -hmm. I guess in the fall, you folks will be uh, following up. Uh, what happens next? Um, what happens next? Well, for uh, for mine in particular, uh, we're going to be looking at packaging with a certain cast and, you know, the exciting um, <laughs> catch 22 of trying to attach cast with, you know, um, trying to also at the same time attach financing. <laughs> so that's a bit of a juggle that happens. Um, but I'm very confident that uh, this week at the producer's lab is going to help prepare me and uh, the rest of my team for, for that. This is a project, I'm just curious, like how long has it been in the works or at least like uh, the, the kernel of it uh, in your own brain? Well, Chris Campbell, who uh, wrote uh, the original um, iteration of it, uh, I, we've been working together, I'd say about two years now. So I don't know how long he had that before that, but it's been about two years. Uh, originally, this is a footnote, it was a father and son story. Um, but putting my producer's hat on, I felt that there was more of a market available for making a sale with it, having a female uh, mother and daughter story. So we made that decision. And at that point, that's where Chris asked me to come on and be a creative partner with him in the film. And uh, and it's been great. So we've been, you know, reworking it for about two years now. And we've tried various other ways of funding, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, even two years, uh, I think a lot of mm -hmm. folks need to understand that uh, things can kind of move slow in this industry. If oh, you had your yeah. druthers, um, when do you think would be kind of a, a hopeful time for it to get filming and or, you know, released? Well, we do have some uh, funding decisions that are pending right now that we're waiting for. So if that all, you know, if we get the green light from all of those, um, you know, I, I feel like we'll be able to close the gap 
and uh, filming would be great next year, 2023. Sounds like yeah. a good time to me. So <laughs> how do you think? The, yeah, it just kind of the over the last two years of the pandemic, people's viewing habits have changed a lot. But I, I don't know about you. I'm going to the theaters as much as I can right now. But mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you think the market is for you know these sorts of films? And um, just considering how much the landscape has shifted uh, since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely the streamers have uh, also played a huge role in that. And I mean, I'm definitely part of that group. I'd rather be in my pajamas at home, watch, you know, eating popcorn. I mean, it's, um, it's especially after the pandemic, it's definitely uh, a chore now, it seems to like, you know, go to the theater. But when you are in an audience with a group of people, and you all have that moment where everyone gasps at the same time, or everyone laughs at the same time, there is something really incredibly special about that. And I want to encourage everybody to still go to the theater, especially if it's a Canadian film, go buy your popcorn, go buy your $12 drink and enjoy your night out. Yeah. Well, and, you know, speaking of Canadian film, you know, like uh, you've been very involved in the industry for a long time. And, and mm-hmm. I think BC, though, it, it's often very much associated with kind of foreign service work. You know, a lot yes. of Hollywood productions come in. Uh, we have so much knowledge and infrastructure here. You know, how do we kind of capitalize on that and get more of these domestic projects that, like the ones that you're doing? How do we get them going? <laughs> that's the uh, that's the million dollar question, I think. Um, you know, <laughs> I can only speak from my perspective and, you know, I'm a smaller independent company. Yes, I've got lots of experience, but, um, you know, a lot of the things that I've worked on, I can't compete with the same budgets often as Netflix or Warner Brothers and, and also, you know, smaller timelines for filming. So, um, you know, somebody's offered a job as a grip or a gaffer for six months on a series. It's really difficult for them to take, 15 days or 12 days or 20 days out of their schedule to come and do my project when they might lose out on something really big. So, um, so those are just some of the difficulties to begin with, but the way I think that, that we can help kind of build our domestic uh, industry in BC and Canada is by programs like the Whistler film festival producers lab. This is a, a, an incredible training ground and an incredible opportunity to make connections with those gatekeepers that I mentioned earlier um, and funding bodies and people that are really genuinely, they love film and they want to help and they want to see the next crop of um, producers come along. I mean, the, the thing is, is that if, if we don't support these people in the or in domestic um, industry, you know, if the dollar changes, if Netflix decides to go to Albuquerque or if, you know, whatever happens, all of a sudden we won't have an industry here. And it did bottom out and it did happen. It can easily happen again. So we need to build this industry. We need to have our opportunities to tell our own Canadian stories and we need to create jobs from within. You know, and jumping off of that, you know, how do we ensure that we are telling stories that are reflective of you know, Canada at large, Canadian society at large. You, you know, you mentioned, you know, a lot of the, the, the BIPOC folks that uh, you, mm-hmm. you've been able to uh, kind of collaborate with, but I'm, I'm just curious about, you know, you mentioned the gatekeepers. How do we kind of mm-hmm. drive home that message that we do need to make stories that are more reflective of uh, society as a whole? Mm-hmm. I, well, I do think there is change happening. Um, and I think it, you know, the change does have to come from the top for sure. Um, it's a slow process, unfortunately, at times, but um, you know, it is starting, we are starting to see various programs and opportunities for BIPOC, uh, creators and showrunners and, uh, directors and such. So, um, 
you and women as you know myself i was very much um benefit benefit of uh kind of the me too movement so you know these these things are changing slowly and eventually one day you know we won't need to have programs like that you know that would be the goal right one day eventually we don't need to have organizations like women in film or you know what have you that's that's the goal right and it is going to happen one day but you know we just still just have to keep kind of fighting the fight fighting the good fight and and keep keep moving forward and and keep making sure that you know we're aware and i think being aware and create opportunities for those around us when we can um is really the way forward well uh before i let you go I, i'm gonna uh, okay i'm gonna put you on the spot it's not too much of a, a, a horrible question but um what are i don't know it could be a tv show a movie what are one of the last you know one or two things that if you watched recently that uh i don't know re- really gripped you oh my god okay so <laughs> this is an easy question first okay of all. um <laughs> I just started watching season four of Stranger Things, um, and I can barely get through the episodes. Like, they're so scary. It's, it should be retitled Scary Things. Like, okay. it's, <laughs> they have upped their game in terms of the freakout uh, per episode. I'm just like, I can't handle it. <laughs> but I, I, it's I'm, still really good. It's still really, yeah. really good. Yeah, I, I'm one episode in. I need a. I, I need a. I think it just dropped over the weekend, and I. I, yeah. I already have friends that are pretty much halfway through, and these are all like kind of extended episodes. So I feel um, as if I'm falling behind the rest of my uh, my group here. Yeah, I mean that's the wonderful thing too about streamers too is that you know some episodes are an hour, some are an hour and twenty. Some you know you feel like you're really getting uh, a a good good chunk of content each episode for sure. Well, excellent. Hey, Kate, thank you so much for joining oh, us. It's okay. just an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Absolutely. I always enjoy talking with you and thank you so much for your time. And that is Kate Green. She, of course, is the co-writer and director of Maybe This Christmas. Uh, She's currently at the Whistler Film Festival Producers Lab, uh, working on getting that project uh, going with regards to, you know, distribution, financing, a lot of the business side of things, not just the creative, which is kind of a, a thing that I'm always interested in myself. So I want to urge all of our listeners, hey, you know what? If you like this interview, you can go to BIV.com, find more interviews like this, as well as more stories all about uh, business news here in British Columbia. Thank you for listening. I'm Tyler Horton.